Welcome back to the Switched On Podcast. Dan here with today's signals around inspiring people to tap into their greatness. With me is Barbara Doust, an author, coach, and more. A great quote from Barbara in the episode. We go into autopilot. That's when we are burying our potential. Come join us and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Today, we have Barbara Doust with us. Barbara is an acclaimed success coach, author, and inspirational speaker. Welcome, Barbara. I'm excited to have you on the show and looking forward to diving in and having you give us a little bit more about your background to start. Well, thank you for having me, Dan. It's a pleasure. You want me to share? I've got a long history. Okay. I've, well, give, give us a, a synopsis of that. Yeah. yeah, I've been living long enough to, to say that. So... <laughs> But, you know, essentially, um, as a, you know, a success coach and author and speaker now, um, my, the last 10 years has been, you know, focused on that part. But um, I did spend 30 years in the entertainment industry. So I was a director. I have my master's in directing as well as I was an acting coach, had an acting academy. And I also worked with a lot of um, celebrity children on, on sets, on TV sets and film. Wow. And it was not until um, two months before my 25th wedding anniversary that um, I lost my husband to fourth stage cancer and he was gone in three weeks. Wow. And it was so devastating to me because we had been done. We had a theater company that we formed together in San Francisco. Um, He was, you know, building sets here in Los Angeles where, you know, I now live. And um, it was a total surprise just, you know, totally unexpected. And, you know, I'll talk more about it today, but there are two ways that we change. And one of the ways is through a traumatic event. And um, it's a change that I wasn't expecting and a change that uh, capsized my world as I knew it. And as a result of that, I really went on a journey to find out why was it so complicated to change? And it was that journey that led me to where I am today. And the other way that we change is through constant space repetition of a new idea that we um, establish, embed, implant, you know, and um, just repeat, imprint on the subconscious mind over and over and over again until it becomes a part of our mechanism, until it becomes of our part of our electromagnetic field on a deeper emotional level. And then we finally accept it as the truth, which then creates a new belief which then starts to create new behavior, which then starts to create a new you. So I'm, uh, I've studied neuroscience for about eight years now. I work with a cardiologist on brainwave entrainment as well, because I could not uh, just accept spiritual laws, which is what I teach, right. and business concepts without understanding the science. So I'm that person who has to know you know, how a nanu and a quark works in order for us to create what, you know, our results are in life. Yeah. So I've, you know, really been on that journey of asking that question, what happened to me? Why did it happen to me? And why is change so complicated? And I also, after the loss of my husband, within a year, I found my, my mother-in-law dead. My father died. My best friend died. And my brother-in-law died jumping out of a plane and his parachute didn't open. My goodness. So I was really smacked upside the head. You know, <laughs> it was like, 
there was something I wasn't getting. Yeah. I wasn't getting. And, uh, and it took quite some time to, you know, process through that grief and loss and change. And it was through the influence of others, you know, that um, I ended up in a spiritual psychology program. It was a master's program here in Los Angeles. And I had no intention of coaching. I just wanted to heal. And then I certified in a law of attraction quantum success program. And again, that wasn't to become a coach. It was to heal myself. And then I wrote a book called True Love, True Self, A Journey to Self-Love. And again, no intention of coaching. It's just that in order to certify, I had to start working with people. And when I started using and teaching what I needed to know and started practicing for myself what you know I was teaching others, I was really, really good in my past at helping a whole lot of people have success, but I wasn't doing it for myself. Yeah. And then once I started to learn, you know, how to uh, walk my talk, essentially, <laughs> right, then and seeing the results that other people were having and knowing that, you know, I could do it for myself as well. That's when I met Bob Proctor in 2013 and really put the, the pieces together about combining business mindset and spirituality and the three planes of our personality, which I'll talk more about. And as a result of working with him and the program called Thinking Into Results, which is what I do for many of my clients, I doubled my practice and tripled my income in less than a year. So I took a quantum leap and now I show people how to quantum leap their businesses. So it's not 1%, 3% growth, but we're talking 150 to 500% and more, you know, once you start to tap into the unlimited mindset. Yeah. You know, you, you said so many things in the intro there that were the reasons why I was really excited to meet you and spend some time with you because uh, the journey that I've gone through myself is so similar in many ways. And one of the things that you said there that was I learned for me was getting to the essence of energy and really diving into the energy side of it. I've continued to be able to find kind of like a baseline there that allows me to experience more spiritually as I understand the the connections and the energy dynamics. And so it's really fun to hear you uh, talk from that angle because it's one that uh, I've really connected some of those dots as well. When um, yeah, let me just address that quickly, you know, because. Sure vibrational beings right we're all energy and everything around us is energy and energy can't be created or destroyed energy is you know and we've been on the model of newtonian physics for such a long time but with newtonian physics it's all about the material world it's all about seeing you know the evidence right using our five physical senses versus you know what we're looking at now in quantum mechanics and epigenetics is the concept of energy and energy is invisible. Right. So they haven't put that into the equation since the 1600s. So yes, they've looked at the body as a machine, you know, in terms of mechanics, but we change. Machines don't change. They deteriorate with age, you know, but, you know, as human beings, as an energy field and our electromagnetic energy field has more power in it than a computer or a radio tower. 
So, you know, the energy that's moving and coursing through our bodies, we haven't been taught that the invisible side of success, you know, is where the magic is. Yeah. The, um, Man, wow, you're getting into things that I absolutely love to talk about and and don't typically you know get that much opportunity because one of the courses I went and leaned on from my undergrad was a course I loved, which is thermodynamics. And thermodynamic is this, you know, the net energy in the universe is constant, just as you said, the energy is the energy. And uh, the second law of thermo is every time you convert energy from one form to another, there's disorder or entropy uh, created. And when I started recrafting my food and my nourishment of my body, I literally went to thermodynamics and I said, okay, I can create positive potential energy law one, or I can create entropy and disorder law two. And by putting something into my machine if it's not good stuff, it creates disorder and entropy, which leads to disease eventually. Right. Or I can put in stuff that creates positive potential, just as love does and other things. And really relied on that base level of energy dynamics, the, the thermal equation, and guided me. And I continue to use it today in virtually everything I evaluate. But really, really fun to, to hear you talk about yeah. that. Well, and just to break it down even simply, you know, in the study of epigenetics, right, they're showing more and more that disease is really only caused by 1% of our DNA. Yeah. So the question is, what's the rest of it caused by, right? So we know that stress creates about 75% of chronic disease. And it's all about signals. And it's in our inputs. What are the signals that we're inputting? So in the study of epigenetics, it's really about what are the thoughts you're thinking and are you putting in toxic thoughts, you know, or are you putting in nutrients, you know, helpful, positive thoughts? Are you hanging out with people who are negative, uh, negative Nellies, David Downers, and are you in an environment that's caustic, toxic? And are you also eating foods that are, again, toxic foods, right? So when you put all of those signals together, it's the inputs that are really creating the dis-ease or the disintegration. Yeah, yeah. No, fantastic. Well, one of the things that um, we had talked about in the pre-show that I really liked that you had brought up, which was inspiring people to tap into their greatness, time to wake up. And really want to hear you articulate a little bit about that statement. Well, thank you for that question, because, you know, I, I was talking with somebody the other day who said, can you elaborate on wake up? Because most people doesn't, don't even know what that means. You know, um, some people will call it a, a midlife crisis even. But what I've perceived and have come to understand is that, you know, the majority of our lives until we really wake up to our true sense our, our true essence, our true self. Um, and in my book, I call it a journey to self-love. You know, I didn't even know that I didn't know how to love myself until I lost my husband. It was kind of like I lost the love of my life to find out I didn't know how to love myself because I was so codependent on him, you know, giving me my value. And so the very first part of our lives, I believe that we're living a core identity, and that core identity is really seeking approval outside of ourselves. 
because we formed our belief systems from our birth to around the age of seven. We're already programmed. We're already patterned. And those beliefs are somebody else's beliefs. We're just okay. adopting because once I started to really understand the function of the mind and understanding that 95% and, and neuroscience is showing this today, that 95% of our behavior is controlled by the subconscious mind. And so the other 5% is our conscious mind, our logical mind. And most people think that their logical mind is really where they get to make decisions, but then they end up doing things and saying, you know, that's not what I wanted to do. Why did I do that? Why? And I did it again. Why did I do that? Why did I do that? And that's part of the autopilot mechanism in our you know, in our bodies and our brains. And it's really important to understand the difference between the brain and the mind, right? And the different mechanisms that are controlling our behavior. Yeah. And if we've adopted, we come into this world looking like our, you know, grandparents and generations before us. So we're already programmed. Our DNA, the way we look, and then even, you know, why first generation welfare becomes second generation welfare becomes third generation welfare. It's all a part of the so-called paradigm. And the paradigm is where we get stuck on uh, fixed ideas and beliefs. And they're, you know, we're just little sponges, you know, between yeah. and the age of seven. We don't have the ability to um, to rationalize. So we're just accepting everything and especially anything that's repeated over and over and over again to us. For example, uh, you can't you won't be successful unless you go to college. You'll never amount to anything unless you have a, you know, a college degree. Right. You can't become somebody unless you're a Ph.D. And so if you hear that over and over and over again, Every decision you make in life is going to be based on moving toward that PhD. And so it's always seeking approval outside of yourself without really, you know, having focus on what is it that you really, really want. Yeah. And one day, you know, let's say midlife, you wake up and go, is this my life? Is this what it's amounted to? Is this who I am? Is this what I really want? Yeah. Is this all there is? You know, and the good news is, is that that's the beginning of, and you can have that kind of wake up call. It doesn't have to be midlife. You can have that sooner too. You know, I know of 25 year olds who wake up one day out of an alcoholic stupor and say, is this my life? You know, and when you start probing and asking those questions, it becomes, well, what else is there? And the good news is, is that, you know, we're never, the best is always yet to come. We're never too old to stop dreaming. Yeah. And most people stop dreaming. So it's become my passion to help people continue living into the spirit of life, living into the spirit of growth, living into the spirit of, you know, being expressed. And then I call that that's the core identity that starts to emerge, right, where you're you stop looking at, you know, seeking approval outside of yourself. And as you've shared with me, you start to go within and start to love yourself. And from that place, you can start serving not only yourself, but others at a much more um, expansive, conscious, compassionate level. Yeah, the I just wrote down a quote you said there, but living into the spirit of growth is one of these um, amazing, you know, eye openers I had. And this goes back to when I graduated my undergrad, uh, I'll never forget 
uh, you know, a statement I said to my parents, which was not a good statement, but I told them, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm done learning. I'm just tired. I want to get out and make money. I'm tired of studying. I'm just done with this whole thing. And I look back on it now and I'm like, oh my God, you know, my learning hadn't even started. And here I was in this mindset that I was done. You know, so I think living into this spirit of growth is if I would have put one thing for myself over the last seven years is the greatest adventure I'm on now is every signal that I get, I question it and I go on a, a growth adventure with it. And it's become like this, it's so much fun to follow the bouncing ball of the trail of some of these things materialize. And it really is living to the spirit of growth. So I love that quote. I'm probably going to use that as the title of the episode. I said spirit of life, but I do like that spirit of growth, Mm. you know, because the spirit of life um, for me and like the, and the spirit of growth is essential as well, you know, because if we're not growing, we're disintegrating. Yeah. We're either moving, you know, towards something or we're moving away from something. Right. You know, and so the more that we don't get expressed and we start that suppressing the spirit of growth, you know, and where I look at it as a spirit of life, I pull that into just like every single moment. Are you writing a letter to somebody or an email to somebody within the spirit of life? Yeah. You know, so that it's it's opening up potential. And an example for me, when I really got that idea, I went on a vacation and I came home and a, a neighbor had planted a morning glory. And I don't know if you know that morning glories, the plant, they're like weeds and they can take right. over trees and they kill right. everything along the way. But they're so powerful. And my gardener said, watch out, that plant is just going to take over your trees. And, um, and I came back. And I went into, it was just a week and I went into my restroom and I opened up one of my little cupboards connected to the floor, the base, and out popped this morning glory. (laughs) And it was a lime green. All the colors were like not, you know, uh, normal, so-called. And um, I discovered that this morning glory had gone underneath my house. I have like a, you know, a, a three foot yeah, this is crawl space. Crawl space. And it wrapped itself around all the electrical wires and found a crack in the cupboard in my bathroom and found the light. It wow. It found the light so that when I opened up my cupboard, it was like this plant that jumped out. And I was like, now that's the spirit of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's constantly seeking expansion and constantly moving toward the light. Yeah. You know, otherwise it's going to be buried, you know? And so when we go into autopilot, you know, that's when we are burying our potential. Yeah. 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 I lived far too many years on autopilot uh, as I look, you know, backwards and, it's uh, stunning to me how it kind of happens. Uh, you know, it wasn't intentional, uh, but as the the chaos of life swarms you, you I think, uh, you know, it just feels like you start shutting down all those things because you're just trying to survive in amongst the the chaos. But yeah, that's that's 
really interesting about the plant uh, and seeking the light because yeah. uh, the light is well, the- you know and the the thing about autopilot you know here's where we distinguish the difference you know between the mind and the brain you know because the brain wants the path to least resistance so because of the neurons you know and we we want to learn and we want to grow and we want to be comfortable that's what we're always seeking we're always seeking comfort yeah right and so what happens is that autopilot is essential because the brain wants the path of least resistance. So we don't want to have to think about our hands moving and the blood and the veins moving through the veins and our muscles to open up our front door. We want to be able to just know that we can walk through or open up the door. We want to be able to know that we can ride a car, drive it, you know, without having to think about the fingers, the white lines, you know, and having to think so hard, it's taking, it takes up a lot of energy to think. So the brain wants to conserve energy and that's why it goes on autopilot. It goes path of least resistance. The thing to recognize though, is that when we're constantly growing, we're creating new neurons and new neural pathways and we're stimulating the brain and we're stimulating growth. We're stimulating neuropeptides. We're stimulating hormones that keep us, you know, in the spirit of life, you know? And so to watch out for when we're creating results, we don't want that's when the rut is stuck within the, the neural pathway kind of like the grooves that just keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's when we've got to, what's the opportunity to really think, dive deep and start questioning why you're not changing. Yeah. We don't like change. No, no. (laughs) We want the familiar, right? As we know, if you're going to have an Olympic mindset, it's really about, doing things and stretching and stretching and stretching and stretching, you know, until it becomes part of you, right? And then you're in the knowing and you're not in, you know, the having to um, practice anymore, even it's just, you've become consciously competent. Yeah. When we start talking there, you know, you have a a statement that I'd written down about the three planes of understanding the intellectual, the spiritual, and the physical. How does that meld into this? So basically, you know, on the spiritual level, you know, energy is constantly moving to and through us. And spirit is forever seeking fuller expression and expansion, you know, and this is consciousness. So the people we hang out with, the experiences that we have, um, being aware of, you know, our patterns and behaviors through, you know, observation. So that's on the spiritual level, you know, and so we're receiving information and then, and our signals and inputs, right? The intellectual level is like the mind, you know, and the capacity that we have on the conscious level is to be able to choose, reject, or neglect anything that comes to us. But the the primary function of the conscious mind is to focus and choose, focus and choose. And that's where we get to direct energy. But most people are not directing their energy because they don't know that they have the power to do that. But our biggest power is our ability to choose. So how do we choose? We've got to study. We've got to learn. You know, we've got to get information that is new, you know, and can stir up inside of us questions. And then the physical plane is when we learn through the body. You know, and so thoughts 
on the conscious level are leading to the subconscious level where we interpret thoughts into a, a feeling place. So we interpret language in pictures. So if I say to you, red truck, what do you see? Right. Right. So I, I see a 57 Ford red truck. Right. You're not seeing R-E-D. <laughs> right. right. If I say, if you open up your refrigerator from the right to the left, left to the right or in between, what do you see? Yeah. Right. So you go into your kitchen. We are, we interpret language into imagery and imagery causes emotion. And that's the subconscious level. So whatever the conscious mind is feeding and accepting the subconscious mind does not have the ability to reject. So it's perceiving everything as real and imaginary. So that's why even with anxiety and fear, people will feel the fear and there's no real reason, right? That false evidence appearing real. There's no reason to feel the fear. They're creating it in the mind and the mind is accepting it as the truth and dropping it into subconscious mind, right? Which is the emotional plane. That's the physical plane. The when we create that feeling, we're creating a vibration in the body. And that vibration needs to be expressed. So often it's expressed, you know, and through our feelings and the gamut of feelings, right? And that's what causes our behavior. So we're either, you know, again, seeking pleasure or we're avoiding pain. Right. Either way you look at it, it's based in our emotional mind. And so that physical level is where we're expressing and creating results so that eventually, if we keep on believing over and over and over again, you know, a certain belief, whether it's positive or negative, eventually it's going to what I call cross the border and show up in the outer reality. Yeah. The choice is, is one, um, as you mentioned it. In the book I wrote, I actually kind of created a world called a word called choiceability, and I just said it was this unique feature that we humans have is this choiceability. We we really have this ability to choose, and um, it's it's exciting if you're using it to your advantage, and it's not if you're if you're not. But um, choice, uh, and I love hearing you talk about that, man. I think you and I could talk for hours. Um, yeah. Our yeah alignment here is is very high um one question i ask the guests is around if you wanted people to walk away with one thought one concept one principle they could use uh from this half an hour together today what would you say is that one thing you know i would say that it's um uh really about self-image you'll never outperform your self-image You'll never outperform what you already know. And in order to grow, it's about doing things outside your comfort zone, doing things differently. Highly successful people are constantly outside their comfort zone. And in my program, I work with what's called a stretch goal, you know, a worthy ideal, as Earl Nightingale would put it, so that you go after something you don't know how to do. It scares you and excites you, but you really must want it, really want it. And I, you know, I worked with a 72 year old woman who wanted to lose weight. And, uh, and I said, that's not a stretch goal. It's not something that, because when you go after something you don't know how to do, let's say climb Mount Everest, you're going to find parts of yourself that you haven't yet met. 
And I like to say to people, you probably don't know who you really are and you never will until you discover those parts that you haven't yet met. So how do you do that? You've got to do something differently and make sure that it excites you at the same time that it scares you. And you'll discover along the way how to do it. Stay out of the how. You'll discover who you're becoming along the way. And I like to tell people you you must pretend to act as if is really about can you think the thoughts. So say like you're who is the person who's climbed to the top of Mount Everest? What are the thoughts that they're thinking? What are the feelings that they're experiencing? What are their actions? And if you can start to live those in your daily life now, because subconscious doesn't know the difference between the past, the present, or the future, and you start being it now, playing it, put on the role, put on the character. What are the clothes that this character, write out the character and become it and start to, and if you want to be an extremely wealthy person, you know, start in incremental steps, you know, maybe buy a Gucci handbag. It's not like you have to go and, you know, buy a, a trip to Bora Bora right off the bat start raising the frequency because what's really going on is that the dream is up here and you're at a frequency level that doesn't match that dream and in order to increase that frequency it's really to be in the question of who are you being now and as you implement the next step and the next idea and the next growth spurt what's the beauty of it is that the vision the dream starts to come to you as you're moving toward it and that's where it becomes very magical. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the next question is around cauliflower moment. And of, of all of my guests I've talked to so far, I'm actually most excited to hear yours because you have dove into this limiting beliefs and all of the the science around what causes us to form them, be be stuck in them, and how to break free from them. So I know in there that you've had beliefs that you were attached to that you've had to that you've had to realize you changed. So I'm curious to see what you highlight as your as your cauliflower moment for everybody. Okay, you might be surprised, but um, <laughs> um, It really, because I lived my life for 30 years seeking approval outside myself and not understanding that I could design my own life, the cauliflower moment for me to get me on the path to um, self-discovery, let's say, was after I lost my husband three months afterward, I went to Sedona and I was part of something called Sedona Soul Adventures where this woman intuited who I needed to see, where I needed to go from Ayurvedic medicine to astrologers to mediums, right? And she put me with this woman. And remember, I was a director for many years. So I had in my core a lot of judgment. Right. (laughs) As a matter of fact, when I was in college, my directing teachers told me I wasn't critical enough. So I kind of, I worked at being critical. I worked at, you know, really trying to be judgmental. It wasn't my nature. And, but I, I went to this woman's house and immediately I judged because I don't eat hot dogs. I haven't eaten hot dogs since I was in my twenties. And she was steaming hot dogs and the smell in the house was of these steamies, right? And she was steaming for her 10 year old son. And I immediately went, Oh, 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 you know, (laughs) and um, I'm not going to get much here is where I started. 
And then she, you know, put me on a massage table and she took me on a journey. And it was a hypnotic, you know, transcendental type of journey where she led me through a forest and I was like playing with Peter. I mind I was concocting all these ideas of us free falling in the sky. I was playing with Peter Pan. I was like um, in a canoe and laughing with people. And I didn't even like canoeing. I was hiking up mountains. And I was like, I, she didn't even tell me these things. This is just what was coming from somewhere inside of me. Right. And it's like, I don't enjoy hiking. I'm a Cosmo kind of gal. I was like, why am I, you know, even imagining all of this? And then about a half an hour into the session, she said to me, so what's the purpose of your life? And I said, oh, dear, I don't know, because I was angry. You know, I thought I, I shut down my acting academy. I shut down my private practice. I shut down my directing career. I shut it all down. And I didn't know what was next. And I started thinking, I don't know, realtor, um, maybe I'll be a property manager, maybe I'll be, um, you know, I'm not going to be an acting teacher anymore. Uh, I, I had no, I, I could, my, and my lips were tightly shut, you know, and then she said it again, you know, what's the purpose of your life? And out of my mouth blurted, love. And she said, thank you. That's the end of the session for today. <laughs> And I was furious. I sat, I, I laid there and I was like, how am I going to make a living on love? How am I going to survive on love? How am I, you know, what, how, you know, how am I going to pay the bills on love? And then I, she let me, you know, stay there for about another 20 minutes or so. And I started fantasizing being part of a healing center, or taking people on canoe trips and hiking and laughing and doing pottery, all kinds of things. And about three weeks after that, a hypnotherapist that I was working with came to me and said, Barbara, I'd like you to create an art studio at my healing center. Wow. And I was like, that's interesting. And then I wasn't, you know, tempted until she said, um, and I'd like to name the studio after your late husband. And within three weeks of that, I had created an art studio called the Sunflower Art Studio because he loved sunflowers. And that that opened up the journey to living my life more by design, coming from a place of self-love and truth. Wow, that's great. Uh, living life by design is powerful. Yeah. Well, great. Well, listen, this has been a blast. How can people connect with you outside of this and uh, reach out? They can always go to my website at www.barbaradaust.thinkingintoresults.com. That's a, a group coaching program that I offer as well as my email, barbara at barbaradouse.com. I also have a brainwave entrainment program at www.vibrantresults.com. And that's where I work with the cardiologist doctor, where we induce um, bypassing the conscious mind. So, and we get to uh, unconscious levels, which we didn't talk about today, which is a deeper experience. And, um, and then, you know, they can always go to mycalendly.com 
forward slash Barbara dash 64. If they want to book a discovery session, I offer a 30 minute bonus uh, discovery session where people can talk to me about their goals and whether or not I'm a good fit to help them get there. Well, great. Well, we'll include all those in the show notes as well. And uh, I think we're going to have to have another session because I definitely would like to talk further and talk about the unconscious as well, because there's, there's a lot to uh, unfold there. And one more thing I forgot to mention, you know, with that 72 year old woman who wanted to lose weight, the, the stretch goal that I got her into was that she signed up for a bodybuilding competition. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. And then she was in the gym at five o'clock every morning and she can do a plank longer than her trainer. Now woman is really tough. (laughs) Well, that's fantastic. All right. Well, thank you for your time and it's great getting getting to know you. Thank you for inviting me again.